Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting, as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. It is another beautiful day in self-isolation. I was just outside the backyards and uh, I put the kids in the tent so that they could go and hang out and play board games for an hour. And now I'm back into my, my office. I am very happy to have one of my friends from Las Vegas on the podcast today. His name is Andrew Kennelly. He is the technical director and lighting designer for Entertainment Plus Productions at Fashion Show in Las Vegas. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me today, buddy. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. I am excited to talk to you because I hear that you are going back into your place of business very soon? Yes, we, uh, we came back uh, last Tuesday. We were hoping to start doing some sort of entertainment this month until the governor had directed us that we are not allowed to do entertainment in the month of June. We were definitely looking forward to bringing some sense of normality back to the world. Ooh, so close. But you've actually seen, you were in the building, you got to see lights and trusts yes. consoles I, and i got to boot up my console and i got to turn my rig on and i got to just be in my happy place for a little while <laughs> right on that must have been refreshing and liberating and optimistic and hopeful all at the same time it definitely is it definitely gave you a sense that there we could get back to normal cool so. So anybody who's listening who doesn't know you, why don't you kind of fill us in on what it is that you do over at the fashion show? So I'm the technical director and I'm also the lighting designer. We do, we offer free uh, strip level entertainment to uh, Las Vegas at a uh, fashion show, uh, which is a, the largest shopping destination on the Las Vegas strip. Do anything from fashion shows to bands to digital entertainment. It's a, it's a very unique space to be working in. <laughs> But, and everything we do, we always offer up for free. Nice. Yeah. That is one of the things I love about Vegas is because there's so much foot traffic, people can offer entertainment for free because it's, it's an attraction. It actually draws people in. Absolutely. And, and with being out on the strip, you know, you just, you, you want to give that something. You have to have that pizzazz or that, that spectacle. So that helps bring the spectacle here. And from my understanding, we are one of the only shopping destinations in the country like this. So it's kind of a unique set, uh, setting and environment. Yeah. In most other cities around the world, being a shopping mall is the attraction. Exactly. We, we just started doing like aerial work in here. And, you know, it, it's almost like Cirque Light, <laughs> if you want to say. But we're building up more and more. Um, we just put a brand new lighting rig into the building. Yeah, we updated our video. We got new video wall, new special effects. It's it's a pretty wonderful place. 
Cool. That is, that's amazing. I'm really glad to hear that you are back to business. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of bittersweet because on one side you see so many of your friends and your colleagues and people that helped you get to where you are in this industry and everybody's unsure of what the future is going to hold. And it's, it's really hard to go back and wonder why you're the lucky one that gets to. So. Ah, that's a good feeling to be the lucky one. It is. It is. I reach out to a lot of people and some people are right back to work or they, they, they've been completely unfazed and, but uh, I would debate say about 75 to 80% of the people have been really been affected by this pandemic. And it's, it's such a shame, you know, and the, the government doesn't think of our industry and not a lot of people think of where their entertainment comes from and who puts it on and the countless people that it takes to do what we do. And Right now in Las Vegas, we have the highest unemployment rate in the country, and I don't see it getting any better, unfortunately, in the time being. Ah, that's tough. It's tough to hear that. I want to believe that after this pandemic, we will kind of learn a way to learn from our mistakes. I hope that that we can at least kind of look at this one and say like, well, let's kind of see what went right and what went wrong and what caused this and what can we do to in the future to avoid this? Even little simple things like having the, the PPP websites up and ready or having a, some money on hand to start dispersing to the people who need it the most. I, I think I'm pretty it optimistic. Helped. Yeah. And I think it definitely helped a lot of people in our industry. You know, some people can't af- avoid working paycheck to paycheck, but it, it definitely showed how people don't think of us. We're not the first thought to, to bail out or to help out and, the importance of having a plan now is definitely shining. I definitely hope that we can kind of look at what caused the pandemic. And I know there's plenty of conspiracy theories out there, but I know one of the, the leading one is that it came from uh, wild animals uh, mixing in a wet market in the Wuhan uh, district of China, which I hope that we can kind of realize that maybe that's something we should stop. That is absolutely something that needs to, to go away. Um, you know, regardless of where it actually came from, this was transmitted from eating an animal. Um, somebody got an infected animal, decided to eat it, and now we have 100,000 dead people in the United States from this and countless more throughout the world. Yeah, and I don't believe this is the, the first one like that i would i want to say the the swine flu was the similar situation the mad cow disease was the same situation uh avian flus sars i want to say that many of those things are all coming from the same sort of situation where animals are just being bled to death uh right on top of each other it's factory farming it all comes down to squeezing in as many animals as you can into one place, whether they're infected or not. And they spread these diseases and they mutate and they form superbugs. And now we're out of work. Yeah. So let's kind of get into that a little bit. When did you decide to learn from mistakes and when did you become vegetarian slash vegan or when did you start your path? So I've always been interested in just different ways of eating. Um, before I got into this industry, I was a chef. So, you know, you kind of had a, you had to learn a little bit of everything, you know, you catered to whoever. Um, so I was out on the road about two years ago and I had ballooned up to 240 pounds, which is the heaviest I'd ever been. I was sluggish. I was getting sick all the time and 
I just, I, I had to stop and take a look and see why I was this way. And it wasn't anything else I was doing. I had stopped drinking. I wasn't doing anything else, but it was the food I was eating. You know, it was mass produced processed food and it was mostly meat. My diet was meat, meat, meat all day long. About a year and a half ago, I got off the road and I went and had some lab work done and my triglycerides were through the roof. Um, I was told at 37 years old that I needed to start taking a baby aspirin. Um, my cholesterol was incredibly high. My, I was pre-diabetic and I was developing fatty liver, um, non-alcoholic fatty liver. Whoa. So yeah. And at 37 years old, that's, that's an eye opener. At least it should be. So that day I, they put me in touch with a uh, nutritionist and I started taking a nutrition class and it was funny because she wasn't allowed to discuss her diet, what she was eating, but she was on a whole food plant-based diet. And she took me aside after class and we were talking and, and she introduced me to some literature and I just started discovering this way of eating. Um, so I'm going on a full year now without having any animal products in my diet. And how do you feel? I feel amazing. Um, my lab work is pristine. Um, I'm no longer even close to being diabetic. I don't take a baby aspirin every day. I bike 12 miles. I still work 16 hour days, even though I have a, a home gig. And I just, I feel a lot better than I've ever felt before. You literally changed your life around just on your diet. On my diet alone. What diet and then adding some other things, but it was my diet that allowed me to have the energy to start exercising. You know, I, I did work with a trainer and I did get some counseling and advice and it primarily came down to my diet though. Congratulations on you being able to really look at yourself and make some, some lifestyle changes. Thank you. It was, uh, it was not easy. Like I said, I was eating meat three, three meals a day. And I just, I, it's not the way that everybody can do it, but I just jumped right in. I, I went full head on into it, stopped eating meat right away and been that way since. So you said that you were a chef. So, I mean, you had no problem preparing meat meals before I would imagine the amount of meat that you're eating was part of your of who you were absolutely absolutely when you're working in a, a and at the time I was working in a steakhouse um the last real cooking job I had yeah so we were cutting meat to order and you know so it was at your disposal the best meat you could get to supposedly you know they say free range or you know ethically treated or prime meat whatever so I had the best of the best and it just, I always felt terrible and I never put the connection together until I stopped eating meat. Oh, that feeling of going to a steakhouse, <laughs> eating way more meat than you were supposed to. And then just having it sit in your stomach for what felt like days and you get oh. the meat sweats. <laughs> and it, it used to be the feeling of accomplishment to me. And now I can't even, I just don't get that feeling anymore and I don't miss it at all. Well, and, that, and that's where it's kind of changing my diet has definitely changed my mindset because I was the king of the buffets, like Chinese buffet. Let's see how many plates we can eat. You know, let's go to the steakhouse and get the largest, you know, prime rib or tomahawk steak you can get. And Do you think that was kind of instilled in you by your, by your family? Um, I actually got really lucky that, 
I grew up with a mother who was very open in my eating habits. She introduced me to whatever, and she always, she herself did not eat many vegetables, but she always made them for me and always made me eat vegetables and fruit. Um, I think where it got instilled to me was, was cooking, definitely, but the media, media advertising, you know, the whole you, you, many meat type stuff, you know, that's where you start thinking that you have to have meat in your diet. Where are you going to get your protein from? Yeah. So a lot of you who can't see us, neither of us are what you would consider the stereotypical YouTube vegans. We're both large, white, cis male. <laughs> you know. I am definitely not going to be an influencer anytime soon, uh, taking pictures out on Instagram. <laughs> no, you, we're definitely not the poster childs of what people think that the, the vegan athlete looks like. We're just people that have decided to stop eating meat or and dairy products and and uh and that and actually it's good that you brought up dairy products that was where i first started um was ditching dairy dairy is doing some research on it and just it is one of the worst things you can put in your body and i think if people don't become vegan or you know they don't stop eating meat completely i think the easiest thing to do would be to stop eating dairy yeah. God, there's so many alternatives nowadays and they're, they're readily available even on the road. Uh, and I don't think that was the case even five, 10 years ago. And nowadays. Oh, absolutely not. Um, I remember back in the day, you know, like you said, even five years ago, you, know, you did not see vegan restaurants anywhere. And if you did, they were the places that people made fun of and they, they served plant or uh, rabbit food and, uh, called them dirty hippies and the people smelled and blah, 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 whatever stereotype <laughs> they threw at it. And so you didn't want to go there. You didn't want to go try it. It wasn't fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was guilty of that myself. I didn't understand. I, I rejected it for many years because eating meat was part of my identity. It was, I'm Chris Lose and if I'm going to go to a party. I'm going to drink some beers and I'm going to eat some meat. I would imagine that was something you really had to kind of get through. You're like, oh, those those people, that's not part of me. I, I'm clearly not part of that group. But you are. You know, it, it's even just being out on the road, you know, camaraderie between you know, your touring buddies and, and everybody goes to the steakhouse. You know, I did a tour three years ago where every day off we hit a different Texas roadhouse. <laughs> and that's just what you did. You know, everybody went to Texas roadhouse and you ate as much as you could and you drank beer and, you know, you had 30 rolls that were covered in butter and you didn't think about the consequences. You didn't think about what you're doing to yourself. I would imagine that you're not out on the road as much now that you've got a house gig. Are you so, having, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Are you having trouble finding uh, alternatives now? Not at all. And actually, so I, I took myself off the road because I was not feeling well. I was not, it was getting harder to do the days. It was getting harder to work until four in the morning and then, you know, do a load in at 9am. Um, so I took myself off the road and came home to get myself better. And that's what I've done now. And, and no, the best thing is you have to prepare for this. If this is something you want to do and something that you're going to be serious about, like anything we do, we, we prepare and we do research and we study and to make it a lot easier to find alternatives, especially being at home. Yeah. Now that I'm home and off the road, my wife is cooking. I'm eating at home a lot more often. And now that we're eating 
so many plant-based things. I'm losing weight without doing much exercise. I haven't really made many changes in my life, but my, my skin has cleared up. I'm losing weight at a, at a, at a responsible rate, which is, it feels great. I feel more aware. I feel more alive. I feel more in tune. Uh, that's, I know that's not a medical term, but I feel more in tune. Yeah, absolutely. You just kind of feel clear. You know, you're not as, as groggy. You're not as mentally uh, unaware of what's going on. Um, absolutely. What are some of the some of the books that you read to get into this mindset for the research? Was it well, mostly nutrition stuff? Um, I tried to read the China study, but it's 800 pages of very dense stuff. It was a, a study that was done in the 70s and 80s that was, uh, it showed, it went to the areas where people were living the longest. And I, I believe it was, it was parts of China, obviously it was the China mm -hmm. study, and then uh, the North Sudan, Africa. And they took these people and they, sorry, let me step back. So they first looked at the the top reasons that Americans were dying, hypertension, heart disease, cancer. And they looked at what kind of cancers like colorectal cancer. And so they, they looked for areas where people didn't suffer from these diseases. So again, they went to China, they found, and then they found in Africa. And they studied these people to see what they were doing differently than us. And the majority of their diet was all plant-based. They ate no meat. They didn't eat processed foods. They grew their, their whole grains. And so that definitely opened up my eyes. Um, if these people are living incredibly long, what can I do to, to better my chances? Um, a lot of web research, uh, a lot of good websites out there. Um, not really too many books that I've picked up per se, um, as there are a lot out there. I just don't have the time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> So one of the things that uh, Andrew mentioned was the, the China study. And the reason that China was so in, uh, instrumental in that one is because there's places like the Wuhan market where people are just ingesting so much meat. And then one province over, there will, there'll be like a Zen Buddhist community where they've spent their whole life eating zero meat. So thanks to the Chinese culture, you can actually study stark differences between the two diets. And Absolutely. they've been isolated for years and years and years, uh, handing down their diets from generation to generation. And they found almost 100% conclusively that the plant-based diets were, were much healthier in, in several metrics. Right. And then um, another good interesting was the uh, doing research on the blue zones, which the blue zones are the areas in the world that have the highest rates of centenarians. centenarians um, so um, one of them was they found is, uh, I believe it's Santa Clara, California, and it's a seven-day Adventist area where everybody's living to over 100. Well, the thing is, is they don't eat meat. Um, they rarely ingest dairy, but they don't eat meat, and they're living a lot longer. They don't deal with heart disease. They don't deal with cancer. And, and that was stuff that started getting me interested because I'm a very paranoid person. I believe that I'm going to die of cancer at any minute. <laughs> <laughs> Whether I have it or not, um, it's going to be one of those things I'm going to catch and I'm just going to die. Um, so I, I started looking at ways that, obviously there's no sure thing out there, but ways that I can increase my chances of living a longer life. Okay. So it in your home life, it sounds like it's been all mostly positive. 
What about in your work life? Because obviously you still have to have those friends that want to take you out to steakhouses. You still go to the same job. You still have uh, the same people in your circle. How has that affected you? Um, you know, it's, it's a, again, if I had done this five years ago, I think it would have been a lot harder, but now more and more there's vegan options everywhere you go. Um, even just, uh, we recently went to Guatemala earlier this year and it was getting a lot harder, but beans and rice and those are perfectly vegan and okay to eat. But no, I, uh, I felt that being, I'm not one of those preachy vegans. I don't try to push my agenda on everybody. I'm not afraid to speak my mind, but I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong for what you do. And I think that made people more willing to adjust to my dietary restrictions when going out, um, looking for more vegan options. And I've even turned people into just going to vegan restaurants. So without thinking about whether or not it's something they'll enjoy. Yeah. Because when you're inviting somebody to a vegan restaurant, you're, you're just going to eat stuff that you already eat. I mean, everybody already eats broccoli to some degree. We hope we all, hopefully everybody's already eating beans and rice to some degree. You know, I, I hope that you're not taking a lion to a because <laughs> they're actual carnivores, but you're not asking too much from them. You're asking like, Hey, just, can you come over here, here just, just for me, you know, right. It's just one meal. It's not like I'm asking you to change your, your whole life. Um, I think I've also led by example. People see how successful I've been. I've dropped, uh, lost about 60 pounds. Um, and people saw that. Thank you. It was, it was difficult. Um, but as to go off of what you were saying earlier, you, you don't even need to start exercising. Eating this way, you just start to naturally lose weight, um, whether you try to or not. Uh, try to eat a thousand calories of broccoli. I dare you. Like, <laughs> you're never going to be able to put it in your stomach. So you're naturally going to be able to eat less. Mm-hmm. So what about your employers? Has that come up at all? Have you had to request vegan meals at any time? Uh, let's um, say like a, like a holiday dinner or something like that. I, I have. Um, and they're very accommodating. I think with, and I think the millennials for this, um, you know, they be, they've made it such a fad now to, to be vegan and to whatever that it's just second nature to most people. Now um, you can find, like I said, you can find vegan options anywhere and, and people are more accommodating these days. Thanks millennials. We appreciate uh, yeah. you helping, <laughs> helping, uh, the, the help, helping fight the good cause here. Right. Whether they meant to or not <laughs> <laughs> on the road, when you're traveling, where do you find it to be the easiest and where do you find it to be the hardest? Honestly, well, any major city, any major city you're in is going to have vegan options, um, vegan restaurants. Um, even gas stations these days start serving, you know, I forgot where I was and I found a Beyond Burger in a gas station. You know, Subway sells impossible meat now. There's Subway at every truck stop out there. Mm-hmm it's becoming easier on the road, but it's still not where it should be. And I think that discourages a lot of people in our industry from making the switch or I've heard people tell me they're vegan at home and carnivore on the road. And then that's, that's sad because you shouldn't have to do something that you don't feel is right just to make it easier for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a half step, but it's, I mean, it's a half step in the, in the positive direction, but still I, I feel it's like- to start. There, there's yeah. still 
or in fact, that's how I started as well. I tried the, the opposite. I tried just not eating meat at all on the road because that's all I was eating on the road. And then it, it kind of, it, it was incrementally more and more. And then the more I got into it, I was like, oh man, this is feeling incrementally better. So I think I should continue doing what I'm doing here. <laughs> and yeah. I think though, for people on the road, the best thing is to prepare. Um, yeah. That way you're not stuck. You're not in a situation where you can't feed yourself. One of the things that I thought I was going to miss, and I'm hoping to get your opinion on this one. I used to be the guy who had no restrictions whatsoever. I would never, I wasn't afraid to like put like, whatever, if you got a smoking room, put me in it. That won't affect me. Uh, if you are going to give us Burger King 10 times a day, whatever, no big deal. I'm Chris Lowe's. So I'll, you drop me in and I'll be anywhere you need me to be. It doesn't matter what you feed us or give us. I'll, I'm here for it and I'm here to work. But then when I started having dietary restrictions, I had to kind of let people know like, okay, so, hey, so there's the thing that I do at the dietary restriction. I, I don't eat meat. I don't eat eggs. I don't eat. Now I, I started finding that I was the one who had a special requirement. Uh, did you find yourself having to having kind of come to terms with that? You know, I did, but you just can't be afraid to speak out for yourself. You know, we're so quick to complain about not having that private room on our day off, but yet we're not going to speak about the food that's being served to us. Um, so you just kind of have to be willing to let your voice be heard. Yeah, I agree. That, that took, it took me a little bit of time to realize that that was just something that is a part of me now. Uh, I've, I've found the vast majority of people fairly accommodating. They're like, yeah, that's, that's just a thing that, that Chris does now. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I've been very fortunate and, um, you know, I haven't necessarily been vegan while out on tour, but I've seen every tour has at least one vegan. And I think from when I started to where we're at now, I think people are becoming more and more accommodating. They're seeing that this is something that's here. It's not going away. It's a lot easier to take care of somebody and have somebody happy than deal with a grumpy <laughs> electrician or sound engineer or what have you. Yeah. We're already grumpy enough most of the time. So. <laughs> so let's hear one story from like the length that you've gone to find an alternative or like, or uh, to just avoid eating meat these days. Uh. Well, in Guatemala, like I said, it was really difficult. Um, we were hiking a volcano and there just was, you got to understand not everybody knows exactly what vegan is. Um, they, they don't <laughs> understand so what the, uh, the, that vegan and vegetarian are two different things. Like I don't mm -hmm. eat, I don't eat eggs. I don't eat dairy. And um, so we were, they supplied us with a vegan meal on our hike, except for the vegan meal was tortillas that were made with lard. Well, that is just not a vegan uh, alternative. So, um, yeah, it was pretty difficult. It took a lot out of me, but, you know, I, I stood strong. I wasn't just going to eat it because I had to. You know, we're, we can go days without eating. Um, I wasn't willing to give up my values at that point. Good for you. Uh, when I was in Paris, I would say, you know, so I'm a, uh, at the time I was still vegetarian, like, oh, vegetarian, you still eat fish and chicken though, right? Like, <laughs> no, no, those are also made of meat. Those are, those are made of animals that, uh, that were alive one time. Like, oh, really? I, I don't, I've never seen them alive. Like, well, yeah, there's a disconnect. 
there's definitely a disconnect there. I would, I think that's probably mostly happened in the last 50 years where the complete disconnect between food and animals has, has lost the connection. People don't have to, they're not aware of what animals go through to be on their plate. They, they don't have to see that. People don't hunt for themselves. They don't slaughter their own animals. They don't raise these cows, chickens, pigs from birth. They don't get, they don't develop a relationship with them. So it's easy just to not think about where your food comes from. It's unfortunate that you're often the one to bring it up too, to just make other people aware of it. And do you find that you get judged unfavorably for being the one that's like, hey, you guys, you know, that's a, that used to be a sentient creature, right? All the time, all the time. <laughs> and like you said, it, you know, the, the old joke of how do you know if somebody's vegan? Well, don't worry, they'll tell you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not because we're telling you that we're vegan. It's just letting you know, hey, you know, you just murdered that animal so you can eat. And that thing suffered for you. Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I, I hate to be the one to, to always be bringing that up or just making people aware of it. But, you know, it's, it's like being the, the harbinger of news. You're like, hey, so that's, I have to remind you that that was a thing. That, and well, it, it's funny. When I first started this, you know, I used to, I started this for my health. You know, I was, I was afraid I was going to die. Um, I was very aware that the food I was eating, eating was killing me. Um, so I used to tell people, I was like, I'm vegan for my health. I don't care about the animals. I'm not in this for the animals. Like, I don't really care if they live or die. I just don't want to eat them. And now a year into this, and I can not imagine saying that and being serious at all. Like you, you start to become more aware of just social issues and environmental issues and just why this is wrong. And, and it's wrong on so many levels, but people aren't wrong for still eating meat. And, that, and that's where I want. I'm not trying to judge people. I'm not trying to tell anybody that because they still eat meat that they're a bad person because they're not. I just want more people to be aware of what they're eating. Yeah, that, that's a great, that's a great point. And I, I wish I had said that disclaimer earlier on in this podcast that just because I'm vegan does not mean that I think you're evil. I don't think that you're wrong. I don't think that you're bad. I just think that there's a disconnect between eating meat and the the requirements to for us to eat meat. Uh, I ate meat for 40 years before I realized it. And it's for the same reasons you did, it's because we were told, no, if you don't eat meat, you're going to wither away and die. You're not going to get the protein you need. You're not going to have the complex fats you need. And the only way to find out if that's all true is to find out. Is to do it. You got to put it to the test. Uh, there's a, a doctor out there, Dr. Gregor, and his, uh, his uh, whole food plant-based doctor. And his big thing is put it to the test. If you don't believe it, try it. If you don't think it's going to make you feel better, try it. And then when it does, maybe you'll stick with it. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually at the point online where I'm challenging people with a hundred dollar donation to people to just try it for one month. And, uh, if, if I'm wrong, I will, I'll eat my words, but, uh, and I think that's great. I'd even go so far as to say people should just try it for 10 days. You know, there's a lot of 10 day kickstart jumpstart programs out there where they'll go into 
um, lower income neighborhoods because those are the neighborhoods that are affected the most by you know the lack of fresh produce, the lack of of better options to eat, even though they really are not more expensive. And we can get into that later about how being vegan is probably the cheapest thing I've ever done. Um, but uh, you know, ten days in. Ten days is all it takes. You know, you you do lab work at the beginning of those ten days. You stop eating meat, dairy for ten days, and you will be so surprised at the changes that are happening inside of your body. Yes, in fact, let's get into that right now. The the cost, a lot of people, and I think it has to be tied to even fifteen years ago when vegan options were the more expensive, but that has changed even in the last week. It's changed in the last year it's changed in the last five years that's not the case anymore it's so fantastic and and it and i will start with you know yes being vegan can be expensive if you're trying to eat beyond burgers every day or you're buying guardian chicken strips and you know all that crap food that you're not supposed to be eating in the first place it will be expensive Mm -hmm. but beans rice pasta produce fresh vegetables i've cut my my wife and I, we've cut our grocery bill in half every month now. And I eat more food than I've ever eaten in my life. Same. Even I'm though- eating, I'm gorging myself sometimes. And after the whole day, I'm like, oh my God, I've eaten nothing but vegetables and minerals. Right. Yeah. And, and then you look at it, the protein, you know, I, people who tell me, where do you get your protein? Like, that's just ridiculous. Animals don't make their own protein. All the protein that we get from animals is secondhand protein in the first place. They get it from eating grass. They get it from eating plants. Yeah. So why don't we skip the middleman and get the protein ourselves from without hurting them? Yeah. Uh, what about supplements? Are you doing any sort of supplementing? So I do. I do. I take a B12 supplement because that is one thing, unless you eat fortified foods, that you cannot get being vegan. Um, it's a microscopic organism that lives on animal proteins and you, know, you just, just can't get it. Um, I also supplement with vitamin D just because I was a little low. I don't like the sunlight. My office is in the basement. I uh, <laughs> stay, stay out of the light. So my vitamin D was a little low. Um, but no, if you eat a good balanced diet, you don't really need supplementation. Um, you know, because we're in the middle of a, a COVID crisis, I, I do take some extra vitamin C and I take turmeric because it does help with arthritis and pains and whatnot. Um, but nothing extraneous. These are all things that, uh, most people should be taking anyway. There's, uh, even outside the vegan community, there's a, a huge lack of B12 availability. Oh yeah. And the vitamin D, they, they think the last statistic I read is they say like 80% of the country is slightly vitamin D deficient, at least like that's, that's not a bad thing to be taking. Yeah. Uh, theater folk in general, like we were, we're well known for being afraid of the sun and going <laughs> to work in the dark and then coming, getting off work in the dark. So uh, vitamin D is good for everybody. So, uh, yeah, I'm seeing that the prices are dropping on, on everything, especially now that the, the, the meat supply chain is all but, you know, limping right now because of all the, all the restrictions and all the, all the pandemic logistics. Uh, it's yeah, just I, not I, affecting the vegetable food chain in the same way. No, if anything, there's, you know, I don't know, understand it, but people are, 
it's the one thing that you can find on the shelves at all times now is you can find fresh produce. That's the one thing that no matter what was never affected. You know, I, there was at one point in this that I went to the grocery store and was like, I don't know what I'm going to eat because there's no meat on the shelves and there's no this on the shelves. Like produce was always there and they are, the prices are going down drastically. Um, even just like you said, in the past couple of weeks, I've noticed stuff like beyond burgers. Those are, almost $3 a package cheaper. That's huge. That huge. is huge. So to bring this back to touring and, and eating a little bit, you were a chef. So I'd imagine you're a bit of a, uh, an Epicurean. I would imagine you have decent taste in food. You're not looking for, for, for bad food. No, not at all. Especially when you're out on the road and you have that one day off to actually decide what you want to eat. If you're, if you're on a catered tour, you know, having somebody decide what you eat, all the time gets old. So you definitely want to eat good stuff. So are you the chef at home as well? I am just because my wife's in grad school right now. She's actually studying to be a physician's assistant. Um, so I try to take a little bit of that from her. So I, I do a lot of the cooking. Plus I just love to cook. It's something I never lost. And how did you find your, your chefing and your cooking habits to change? Um, you know, I, I, they really haven't. Um, you just have to be more aware of how to, how to convert a recipe. You know, you can take any recipe and make it vegan for the most part. Um, if anything, it's challenged my cooking even more. Um, it's definitely helped me, uh, grow. So. So you're not just eating grass then? Yeah. I, I, I don't just eat black beans all day with a side of rice and some broccoli. Like I do some fun things. Um, I make a lot of my own burgers from scratch, you know, a lot of black beans. I, I, it's funny. I'll post pictures of my, my shopping trips and how excited I am to buy like five different types of beans or (laughs) so. I think that's a common pitfall that uh, people on the road, especially, but even people at home fall into when they cut out meat, they just go straight to peanut butter and jelly or pastas and more pastas and more pastas. More pasta, maybe some spaghetti sauce on top. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, instead of going to, and doing the, re- the research that you've done, they'll just go to the, the go-tos of things that they've already had in the kitchen that just doesn't have meat. Right. Like, like Oreos are vegan. <laughs> you know, or- Oreos are one of the fun things that we can eat, but... Just because they don't have meat in them doesn't mean we should be eating them all the time. (laughs) Yeah. That's what my wife keeps telling me. (laughs) So one of the things you brought up that I get asked all the time, and it's usually in a, uh, in a antagonistic way. They're like, Oh, well, if you don't like eating meat, why do you eat so many things that are shaped like meat or formed to taste like meat? What do you, how do you respond to that question? You know, I didn't give up meat because I didn't like the taste. Um, I didn't do this because I thought that hamburgers were disgusting. Um, I love hamburgers and I love the way that meat tastes. I just don't believe that it's good for us. And I don't believe that it's ethical to, to, to treat another sentient being that way, just so we can feed ourselves. But I love, I still, I still sometimes eat, you know, like chicken tenders and soy tenders, or uh, we'll eat the Beyond Burgers and, and stuff like that. Um, I still enjoy the flavor of it. I just don't choose to 
kill an animal for it. I'm with you. When I taste Beyond Burgers, they are so similar that if it came down to me eating, making that minor adjustment or killing a cow, I'm like, I'm just going to make this minor adjustment. And right. There's things we so come across. minor. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's cheaper. And uh, we'll, we'll find products though that my wife will try and she'll just be like, I can't eat this because it's too real. It's too much. Like, I feel like Whoa. I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> like, but I believe, yeah, Beyond Burgers, I can't tell the difference anymore. And maybe it's because I haven't had a, a cheeseburger in a long time, but I can't tell the difference anymore. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm two years in and I, I couldn't even fathom anymore doing it. I used to think that maybe I could do it on special occasions. You know, I used to think for a long time, like, well, maybe I could just eat meat on special occasions and really pay my respect to the cow. But after two years in, like, I'm not even that far. Right. uh, And I don't, I don't see myself being put in a position where it's my life or eating some animal products. Um, I, I get asked the question, like you had brought up before, you know, what do you do if you just don't have something vegan to eat? If you can't eat something like I just, I'm more afraid now too of getting sick from eating animals. Um, I'm pretty sure that my, my biochemistry and internal biomes have changed to that eating meat would physically make me sick now. Yeah. Uh, recently my wife tried again and she's like, no, it's totally, she's totally past it now. She won't even eat the texture is just, uh, it's beyond her now. So so it's funny. I uh, we turned my wife's mother onto this way of eating. She suffers from um, fairly severe uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and uh, where she's on some pretty intense medications. And one of the things when I was starting this way, we read up on how it affects autoimmune diseases, and how RA is one of the things that it can really help. And so we started sending her more and more literature, and she completely changed her diet and uh, went whole food plant-based and uh, within seven weeks was off all medication for RA. She was off of the, she was on a chemotherapy drug completely off of everything in seven, in seven weeks time. So th- this isn't something that takes like years and years and years. Uh, this is something that in such a short amount of time. And so Easter rolls around and she decides to uh, eat some Cadbury eggs because everybody has that one thing that they absolutely love and they just, they want to see how it affects. And, eating that one day of eating Cadbury eggs, put her back on her medication. And it just shows you how bad the food we're putting into our body can be for your health. So if you can cure one disease by eating one way, or you can live and suffer eating another way, which would you choose? Yeah. Uh, I want to make it very clear to all my roadie friends and clients and anybody who's made it this far in the podcast and doesn't hate Andrew and I by now, (laughs) <laughs> this that story right there is exactly why I keep putting things on my Facebook. These are the stories that we see in the vegan groups and in literature where people have completely been able to change their life. They've been able to completely drop medicines. They've been healthier. They've lived longer. And it's just because they were willing to, to try it. You said your mom, what was it, seven weeks? seven weeks within seven weeks she was off of all of her medication and it's it's you just forget to stop taking them 
or to, you, you start to forget to take them. And after a while you realize you don't need them because your body has just started to heal itself. You know, the body's an amazing thing. Um, it, it will repair, it will fix itself if you give it the opportunity and you, you feed it properly. Yeah. I, I run into that all too often where people are like, well, I have a, a medical condition and disclaimer, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a doctor, but I do hear this all the time where people have, have medical conditions and then they have been just all, all but eradicated by changing diet. Well, and, and this is, this is the only diet that has been, shown to reverse heart disease. And I know that in our industry, especially, you know, we have lost quite a few really good people to heart disease. Um, we're seeing it more and more. Unfortunately, I feel like every day I see another story of, of somebody passing that was very important to this industry. And not all of it is dietary, um, but I'm also not a big believer in genetics anymore. I believe that we can, we control our destiny um, there are very few things out there that are actually genetic based. Um, but you do not have to have a heart attack because your father had a heart attack anymore. Um, and, and this is one way we can help take control of our lives. And I definitely think by changing our eating habits to just better ways and, and thinking more about what we eat will make us better at our jobs that will make us better out on the road, um, healthier and happier. Yeah, I think it was Dr. Campbell, the one that you had mentioned before, he said that you don't actually inherit your your father's medical conditions. You inherit their their diet. Exactly. Which leads to the medical conditions. Exactly. I I just I just don't believe that, you know, I, I have people tell me all the time, well, I'm diabetic because my parents were diabetic. Well, you're diabetic because you ate the same way your parents ate. You know, Coca-Cola every day and candy bars will make anybody diabetic. Yeah. So whenever I get attacked for bringing up veganism, I have to point out the, the same thing. Like, no, I, I'm expressing love for you too. I want you to know that if you give up smoking, you could be healthier. If you give up sodas, you could be healthier. If you give up meat, the, the evidence shows that you could be healthier. Well, and that's the thing is just, you know, becoming or changing my diet as the first step has, has changed my mind on so many things. And it, it just makes you think better. So, you know, you don't smoke cigarettes and you think of twice about drinking that sugary soda, or if you really need two desserts at night, one's okay. <laughs> I, 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 every night I drink a, a fresh fruit smoothie before I go to bed. It's kind of like my fake milkshake, um, but it's all good stuff for me. So <laughs> And that's the thing too. I tell people, you know, I, I eat more sugar now than I've ever eaten in my life, just in fruits and stuff. Mm -hmm. And my, my blood sugar is lower than it's ever been before. So it's not, it's not the sugar that's going to kill you. It's how you're getting that sugar and stuff. I didn't realize how sweet carrots would be. When I was a meat, when I was a meat eater going to Carl's Jr. all the time, carrots were like, oh, carrots. That's like grass, you know? But now that I've cut out all the, as much of the high fructose corn syrupy craziness, now I can enjoy a carrot and they're sweet. It's and almost can, like your taste buds again. <laughs> yeah. Without the, the constant assault on my taste buds, 
I can actually appreciate a tomato. I used to, I used to just take the tomatoes and chuck them off my burger. <laughs> they were just taking up room. Now I can actually appreciate the taste of a tomato and they're, they're amazing. Well, and that's, a, yeah, At least the so, good ones. right. And that's the thing too. Like I, um, you know, I tell people before I started this onions, I would never touch onions. They're, they're the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my life. And now I can't stop eating them raw cooked, whichever way I cannot stop eating them because now I can really taste them. Now I actually have an appreciation for them. And it's the same with a lot of different vegetables that I never thought I would want to try. I was always a vegetable eater, but you know, broccoli and carrots and corn and that's about it. Yeah. Broccoli used to have to be covered in Velveeta or something oh. for me. <laughs> it's just a, Absolutely. It just terrifies me now. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So it's uh, to all the people that are out there on the road. So when I'm still, I was still out on the road when I started my vegetarian path and all of a sudden my, my bus dock list changed from just terrible things. Uh, just the only thing I needed was Coke zero and hot pockets. And the next thing yeah. I know, I was like, Hey, you know what? I would love to have some bananas. I'd love to have some apples. I would love to have anything that the local vegan fare can provide for us. And all of a sudden I just started eating so much better. And it's the stuff that nobody else wants to eat. You know, there's always fruit and catering. There's always fruit somehow on the bus and nobody ever eats it. So it, you're always guaranteed to have something good for yourself. Um, but right. It was the same way. You know, I, can't picture a bus without a bag of, you know, little candy bars or a multi bag of, you know, chips. And now I don't even think about that stuff. Now it's granola and some butterfree popcorn and chia seeds or, you know, that stuff will satisfy you just as much as that crap stuff. will. yeah, I, I, uh, I'm with you on that one. And it, it's a, it's a long path, but it's, it's an, you don't have to do it. Uh, cold turkey you can do it in an incremental path and if it keeps working for you just keep keep following that path absolutely that's what i tell people now i was like pick one meal just just start with one meal if, if dinner is always the meal that you eat meat try it once a week try not having meat for that meal or you know do something different for lunch every day or don't go to mcdonald's don't go to kfc for lunch you know and I think that's a big thing is you don't have to go all in, but you've got to at least start and make a change somewhere. Cool. So I don't want to get too far into the ethics of this one. That's definitely outside the scope of this podcast. But uh, for anybody who's interested, what's one book that you would recommend so that uh, we don't sound too preachy here? What's one book that you would kind of recommend that kind of changed your views? How Not to Die by Dr. Gregor. How not to die. How not to die. Okay. And actually, I think he just uh, released a a follow-up called How Not to Exercise. You know, it's all these things about how just changing your diet will help you. They will make changes in your life. All right. I will definitely put a link to How Not to Die. Yes. It is a great book. Or if somebody, now that we have all this time, if somebody wants to read The China Study and can uh, get through all the stuff in it, more power to them. Um, 
but that's probably not where I would start. There are other summaries on the China study. If you're interested, you can just Google the summary of the China study and it brings it down from, from about 800 pages to about 50 pages. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I just want to say one thing for people out on the road. The number one resource that I've definitely picked up these days is Happy Cow. Happy Cow is an app that you can download that will link you to any vegan, vegetarian, vegan option restaurant in your area. It has saved my life out on the road numerous times in the past year and a half. Yeah, that's great. Happy Cow has allowed me to continue my job as a designer relations developer because I do, I still take people out for meals and I don't push my diet on them, but I do find the places that have vegetarian and vegan options. Absolutely. So that uh, anytime somebody's willing, I will totally take them to a vegan restaurant and I've had great success with that. Uh, however, that's not always the case and using Happy Cow has been able to hey, you sit on your side of the table, you eat your stuff, we'll have a great meal, we'll still be friends at the end. Absolutely. <laughs> we can both share whiskey and rye, and that's, that's vegan. And uh, uh, so let's, uh, we're almost at the end of our hour, but we've totally gone off track from what we were going to talk about, but uh, this has been great. This has been wonderful. If you had one last bit of advice What's your, do you have a way of summarizing your, your ideals? It's never too late. You know, you can always take hold of your life. Um, we always have some excuse or some reason why it's not the right time. And you just kind of got to get rid of that. It's always the right time to take control of yourself. Wow. That's very, it's a, that's a great summary. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Andrew. This has been great. I really appreciate uh, spending time with you. I would have I much rather done it in me. Vegas, but uh, here we are. You know, maybe uh, maybe we'll get lucky and get our LDI this year, but uh, if not, we'll have to be uh, another time. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. Yes. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much. 